The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, we boldly declare, at least we hope so, and we're always happy to be working with the man who prefers to be called the dude. That would be Michael Roberge at the board. Mike, how are you today? Hey, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Suzanne. I am well, and how about yourselves? We are well. We're going through a bit of a cold snap here in Florida. It's it, a chilly 72. It's well, all relative, it, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it, it got down into the 40s last night. That's, that's cold for Florida. Oh, we put two blankets on the bed. I don't think Seattleites want to hear our whining about the weather. <laughs> okay. Well, I should say we've had a good week, so uh, no no good. complaints on this end. Good. Very good. We, we, and I'm sure, what is the long-range forecast for summer? Does it look like it's going to be a wet one? Is it going to be warm? Um, the long-term models, which can go out six months and are really not all that accurate, um, suggest that we are going to have a warmer-than-average summer and a drier-than-average summer. So, uh, you know, they, they, hit, they hit it every once in a while, and they miss it every once in a while. So uh, just based on... Uh, our trailing trends, uh, I'm saying that uh, our snowpack, our reservoirs are all in great shape. And uh, as we head into March, um, you know, the jet stream kind of breaks down and heads north and sucks up more high pressure, which is what we live for. So I'm confident and optimistic that we're going to have a good summer. And June is the only wild card because it can ah. be either really nice or really wet. <laughs> 50 50. That is true. Yeah. Whereas September is almost always a wonderful month because you get the so-called Indian summer. And I remember experiencing about 20 of those, and it was just terrific. So I hope that happens again. I'm checking the airfares. I sure would like to get out there again. Get back in the studio with the dude. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, I love that. We're going to visualize. we got to get somebody on here who's an expert at that, get us working on that lofty goal. In the meantime, we only have Josie Varga, for crying out loud. How many times is this going to be for her? This is visit number 11, according to my records. 11. So That's a she, prime number, and she's a prime guest. She. Oh, look at you. Okay, let's get you some voiceover work. <laughs> I love that. Uh, we're, yes, Josie Varga is here 11th time. It's just terrific whenever she joins us because she knows a lot, she shares a lot, and always from the heart. Compassion ought to be her middle name. For all I know, it is. Here's the least you need to know about Josie Varga if you didn't hear it before. We can't always plan what happens in life. and Sometimes the unexpected leads us just where we are meant to be. Josie Varga's life was turned upside down when a deceased friend who passed in the World Trade Center attacks of 9-11 came to her with a vivid message for his wife. The incredible experience set Josie on a journey to investigate the possibility of life after death. What she found is incredible validation that death is but a new beginning and no one really dies alone. A celebrated author, blogger, and motivational speaker, Josie has transformed lives and warmed hearts worldwide, including ours. Her tireless afterlife research has helped her to steer the study of consciousness and the integration of mind, body, and spirit while comforting the bereaved as they realize their loved ones are still very much with them. Passionate about her life's purpose, Josie Varga is committed to changing lives one story at a time. 
And we're going to take those stories one at a time as we greet her for the 11th time, Josie Vargas. So glad to have you with us. Hello, my beautiful friends. How are you? We're doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to hear I'm a prime number, Suzanne. You are a prime number. <laughs> a, a prime number and a prime guest. There you go. Would your, would your wonderful husband call you a hot number as well? Uh, maybe in the past. Not so much right now. I'm getting oh. old. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, we're delighted to have you with us. As a matter of fact, we, we keep calling each other beautiful friend, and we have yet to make good on our promise or threat, if you will, to get together. When you're down visiting, perhaps, I think your mom lives in Fort Lauderdale, and when you make the trip down here, we'll go across Alligator Alley and get together with you. I'm sure that in that area, they have to have some fine Italian restaurants. Ah, they sure do. They sure do. You guys crack me up. I was listening to you earlier. My parents, when it turns 70 degrees over there, they put, like, their winter coats on. <laughs> <laughs> and over here, oh, my God, you know, if the weather is, like, 45, we're feeling good. We're out with no coats, you know? Yeah. You guys, is, it's, all, it's all very relative, it, as Josie. As Mike was saying, it is yeah, relative. Yeah, when you, when you get sure. used to one thing, and, you know, we're used to it being uh, a little too warm here this uh, winter. I, I like the cool of the winter, and it, it, it's actually been a warmer winter than usual. Many, many hundreds of thousands of tourists who love it. But for yeah, people who live here year-round, you know, as, as Mike was saying, it is all relative. And so we had our cold spell last night in the 40s and threw an extra blanket on. But today it's going to be back up at 72, so... It's yeah, well, okay. I, I tell you, I could get used to Florida weather very quickly, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a 1,000 people moving here a day. So, oh, wow. A really? Day, a day. Every day, a 1,000 new people move to Florida. So, oh, my God. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very populous. It's going to be crowded. Yep. Well, let's get on to some talk about the other side. Is it populous over there, Josie? I wanted to ask you about that because... You know, I'm going to play the role of the skeptic for a moment. Then feel free to knock down my argument at will. Okay. But the skeptics, the skeptic, not to mention the cynics, but the skeptics in the crowd will say something like, all that you are talking about is anecdotal evidence. You bring up these examples of people with stories. They're grieving, and we can understand. We are not heartless. We realize that people will want to think of their loved ones as still alive and that they are somehow miraculously in contact with them. But isn't that simply one of the stages of grief for a relationship that is gone and can no more be realized or recovered? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, yes, that is true. I mean, it's every sign that we receive is obviously not a visit from heaven. But to use myself as an example... Um, you mentioned in the introduction uh, how a visit from my husband's friend who died in the World Trade Center attacks of 9-11 is what led me on this current journey. And when that happened, guys, it wasn't like I was grieving, you know. I was a, a very happy mother of two toddlers, okay. Um, death was like the furthest thing from my mind. So there's, there's no reason whatsoever that I would even wish myself to have that experience. And another thing is, I did not know this man. I, you know, I spoke to him on the phone. I knew of him through my husband, but I never met him in person. 
So that argument, Gary, does not apply with me. It doesn't apply to me. There's no reason whatsoever that I would, I would have that experience. Yet I did. And the experience, as you know, was validated to make it uh, very short. I've mentioned it many times on this show. His message to me was to tell his wife that Boston is okay. I had no idea at all what that meant. I only knew that it was something I had to tell his wife. When I did, I found out that she, in fact, had a brother in Boston. She still does. She has a brother in Boston. And she was considering selling her home and moving to Boston. So the message to me, tell her Boston is okay, meant it's all right. You can go ahead and you can move to Boston. She, she had conflicted emotions because she had purchased the house right before he died. So she felt bad about selling the home, you know, which makes sense. So the message was, it's okay, you can sell your house. So how would your argument go, how do you explain something like that? I was not in the midst of grieving, you know. I had no reason to have that experience whatsoever. So uh, when, I, when I had that experience, it's just like, you know, I, what I say is it took me to the core, really. And it, I went to research the afterlife, not with the intention at first of writing a book. I wanted to research the afterlife to know that, hey, I, I'm not going crazy. I figured there had to be other people out there that had similar experiences. And what I, you know, what I found were there were people all over the world that had similar experiences. And that's what started me on this. And that's what resulted in the book Visits from Heaven. You know, Josie, as you as you're telling this story, and it is a great story that um, that that this man came to you and said, "You need to give my wife a message." Mm -hmm. uh, you must be very um, surprised, or you know, what is it that you felt when the whole trajectory of what you were doing changed when you are raising two toddlers? and you're married, and, and then all of a sudden, your whole life takes a turn where you're saying, am I crazy? Is this real? You know, yeah, how can, I, how can like, I find out? Yeah, and it's like you, you sit there and you say, one part of you says, why the heck did this, how could this be happening? But at the same time, uh, Gary and I talked a little bit about this on the phone the other day. When you are in the moment, when you are having the experience, okay, we know what we're experiencing is real, okay? Um, you talked about having anecdotal experiences and how that's not considered proof. Well, talk to anybody that's had a spiritual experience, like a near-death experience, and they'll tell you what they experienced was real. I don't know how to put it in words, but all I can tell you is that when I was in front of him, when I was having the experience, it was so real, guys. It was more real than what we experience on this earth. You know, how I, I, I don't know how to explain that, but it was. And at first I was like, okay, you know, what do I do with this? And, and why me? You know? And I started to research the phenomenon and I, I was just amazed by what I found. And I kept second-guessing myself because in the back of my mind, I was worried that people were going to think I was crazy. 
But then I said to myself, but I know I'm not crazy. I know this is real, and I know that I'm going to be able to help people. I'm going to be able to help to believe. I want people to understand that there is life after death. So forget about people thinking I'm crazy. I have to do something about this. Um, I decided to, uh, you know, research further and actually write the book. And, um, well, let me let me ask you this, Josie. Before you had this experience, mm-hmm. were you metaphysically inclined? Were you interested in the unseen world? Did you were you very much uh, in this dimension, thinking it's only about the five senses that we have available in the physical? Or were you at that time were you spiritually or religiously inclined? already before this happened what was what was the your own uh thinking your own personality about this uh, entire subject of the uh of the of the beyond the physical well i uh, to answer your question suzanne i was raised roman catholic always went to church always believed in god always believed in something higher than myself um Never thought that this could possibly be the end, because to me it doesn't make sense that God would create us to let us die. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, But uh, even though I believed in the afterlife, even though I've always believed in heaven, um, did I ever think in a million years that I would research the afterlife, that I would go on to write? Books about spiritual phenomena? Absolutely not. But, interestingly, after I wrote Visits from Heaven, I I did a radio show in New York one time, and prior to leaving for the show, I made a comment to my husband saying, you know, I I wonder why I haven't heard from Rich, quote-unquote, because in my mind I said, you know, Visits from Heaven came out, and he's the one who started me on this journey and I never heard anything from him again, you know. So I go to the show, and we're in a common area waiting for the producer to call us in to do the radio show. And there's a 17-year-old psychic medium standing there. He was doing the show with us. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, Josie? And I look up at him and he says, I have a gentleman here for you. And I looked at him and I'm like, what? And I turned around. I turned around, okay, what gentleman, you know? And he looked at me and he says, no, 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 not, he says, I mean in spirit. And I said, oh, so he starts describing the man, and I recognized Rich, the man who came to me. I said to myself, oh, my God, it's Rich. And he said to me, yes, it is Rich. Rich wants you to know that you've been led to do what you do, that you were led to AOE Press, AOE Press was the publisher uh, for Visits from Heaven, and that, you know, really, I, I'm being guided to do what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing. And he say, and, and another thing he said to me, right before we got called into the studio, he said, oh, by the way, he says to tell you that the book you think is coming out when it's coming out, which was Visits to Heaven, was about near-death experiences, I was in the process of know, getting that out. He says, that book is not coming out when you think it's coming out. It's actually coming out two months late. And I'm like, I'm standing there. I'm like, what? So then we get called into the studio, and I never got to finish my conversation with this kid. And he's, you know, 17 years old. 
And then two weeks later, I got a call from uh, Cassie from AOE Press, and she says, Josie, yeah, yeah, the book's not coming out in December. The book is coming out in February. My mouth dropped. <laughs> uh, and I told her, you know, what happened. And again, how do you make this up? How? Um, I didn't know at that time that the book was coming out two months later. And I, and I always had this feeling that I was meant to publish the book with AOE Press. I don't know why. And I always had this feeling that I was led there. And, um, you know, that I was led to do what I do. Like, you know, um, they say that everything aligns when you find your purpose in life. And, and that's how I feel now. I feel like everything is aligned. I didn't choose for it to happen when it did. Like you were talking, Suzanne, about, you know, me having a, a new baby and all this happening. It was, it was tough. It was hard. And, and there were days where I said, I don't know if I want to do this, you know. Um, it's, it's very difficult, you know, dealing with the belief. I'm a very caring person. I'm a very loving person, and I want to help the world. And I can't do that. I can't, you know. I can only help one person at a time. And sometimes I want to do so much more, if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, sure. I think there's always a sense that there's so much left to do. So many souls, so little time, as it were. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, but honestly, I've said this a million times before, and I mean it. I feel blessed to be able to do what I do. Totally blessed. Yeah, and it's, it's not—it's not easy work, Josie, because you're dealing with a lot of emotion. The emotion. I am of the people on this side who are grieving and experiencing a loss, the people on the other side who would like to communicate with their loved ones here to let them know that they're okay. And and so you're, you're dealing with a very emotional topic. And yeah, I'm with a very emotional topic. And, you know, there are people, unfortunately, that want a sign and uh, don't get them. I, I honestly don't think that it's not that they don't get them. I think that people do receive signs. They just don't, you know, recognize them. And a lot of times it's because of grief, you know. A lot of times it's because they're not open to it, you know. Um, my sister is going through a very difficult time. We um, asked my brother-in-law, it'll be three years in September. And... You know, I, I, she's always saying, well, I don't receive any signs. Well, I don't receive any signs. But she's also very angry. And I've been told through many of my psychic friends that he has been, uh, he has given her signs. He's just not recognizing them. And that can, that can happen. So I don't think it's that we don't receive signs. I think our loved ones very much want us to know that they're okay. It's just that some of us don't recognize it and you know we're not we're not all uh as open as everybody else you know some of us are more open than others and you know that definitely makes a difference i mean it's important that you're open to receiving it's important that you believe you know it's important that you uh you know take down that wall in in some ways you know don't be so skeptical. It's important. It's good to be right. skeptical, but there's a difference between being an open-minded skeptic and a closed-minded skeptic. So you have to be at least an open-minded skeptic. Well, that's a, that's a good distinction to make. 
and also has a little bit to do with your attention um, because I can remember, and I've, I've told this many times, that you know, before I got into real estate back in the 70s, I never saw a house for sale. But after I got into real estate, I saw for sale signs everywhere. And, <laughs> exactly. and, and so if your attention is on um, you know, thinking about your loved ones, um, sending them a hello, hope things are going well with you today, mm-hmm. if you are more in tune with people who are on the other side, then you might see those those greetings that come, those little things that occur that could be messages from the other side because you're open to that possibility, as you said, and you've got your attention there a little bit. Exactly. And, and the more we pay attention, to right. some, the stronger it gets. Right. And right. It's, it's the same thing with this. And, and I think that's why... As I started to research the afterlife, I became more and more in tune to it, and I realized that I'm actually very clairaudient, which I know we've spoken about before. I'm actually human impaired, and yet when I hear spirits in my mind, it's very clear, very clear. That's that's always amazed me. So I, I might be human impaired in this reality, but over there I'm 100% fine. <laughs> I love that. And, and, and again, before this incident occurred, this was kind of a life-changing incident for you, which put you on a completely new path of researching about an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not your, your focus. You were not hearing uh, clairaudient messages in your mind before that experience, were you? No. No, this was not I, part I, of how you grew up or anything. No, it's, you know, like I never really even went to a medium. I didn't go to a psychic medium until I was researching for the book, and I said to myself, you know, I, I really should go see a psychic medium. I've been, I had been to psychics before, you know, to just tell you about the future, but I'd never been to a medium at that point. So, again, I did not go to a medium until I started researching the afterlife. You know, Josie, Gary and I talk to people who run the gamut from people who think that, um, you know, that, you know, when we die, that's it. Everything turns black and that's it. There's no eternal life Mm -hmm. to way at the other end of the spectrum where people talk about multiple lives, multiple universes, reincarnation, Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of things. And in talking with you, you know, I get the sense that that where you are in in the research that you have done in the last 19 years, Mm -hmm. there is a whole group of people, a whole lot of people who are very much like you that are not in either extreme. They are not non-believers, nor are they believers in, uh, you know, a lot of... um, a lot of afterlife, other life, other universes, multiple lives kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I like your perspective because I think you talk to a lot of people who are exactly where you are. I had something happen to me. I had to look into it, and this is what I found. So I, I like that you say that you weren't born a medium, 
that you right. had a mediumistic experience and it put you on a on a journey of finding out more about it. And I think there's a lot of people who are exactly where you are. So I'm glad you bring that perspective to our show. No, it's like, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask for this to happen. It, it, it did. And it's like, it's kind of like it, it changes you. It changes you, not only your outlook, but everything about you. Like, I'm, I'm just not the same person that I was before because I see life and I see death in, in totally different ways. I mean, part of understanding that there is an afterlife is also understanding that we are not the body. You know, we are much more than physical beings. We are spiritual beings. We are, uh, you know, made up of energy. And the first law of thermodynamics says that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And not, it's the same thing with the body. One time I was, I was asked, what is death? And I remember being tongue-tied, you know, because I, I wanted to use the correct word. And I guess the best way to describe death, death is a transition from one form to another. It's not an end. It's just merely a transition. You know, energy changes form. And when we break down the body, okay, if you really break down the body, you break down the body to atoms, and those atoms are energy, and that's what we are. And we go from one form of energy to another when we die. So, you know, my research has taken me into a lot of different areas, and uh, that, to me, is the primary thing here. Because once, once you understand that there is life after death, well, if there is life after death, then we cannot, obviously, be of the body. We have to be much more than that. And the second thing is, if life continues, then consciousness cannot be limited to the brain. Because if it were, then when we die, that's it. You know, we die, there's no consciousness whatsoever. But when we die, there is consciousness. So what does that say? That says that consciousness cannot be limited to the brain. Okay. No, yeah. it's not limited to the brain. There, it, It's a paradigm shift for someone to at least entertain the notion, if not fully accept the premise. It's worth exploring, always. This notion that the brain is not the self-consistent container of consciousness, and once the brain can no longer function physically, it's extinguished, like blowing out a candle, you might say, and that's the end of you, of all of us. Yeah, um, brain. The brain is actually um, the receiver of consciousness. I mean, one way to visualize, you know, the whole concept of people thinking, you know, it's a material thing. That consciousness is in the brain. Imagine right. a television or a radio, okay? And the radio transmits sounds through the air, and the TVs transmit both the sound and the pictures, right? So the receiver is your radio or your television. And this picks up signals, and it turns them into sounds and pictures, okay? So think of consciousness as the transmitter and your brain as the receiver, okay? So we, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but consciousness cannot be limited to the brain. Consciousness is right. out there. It's not in the brain. 
It is. It's out there in consciousness being independent of individual human bodies. Apart from the flesh is able to use brains in order to express, to transmit, to gather information, to do all those wonderful things. And if the brain dies, that doesn't mean that consciousness dies because it's consciousness with a capital C. It goes on, presumably, for eternity. It does. It does. Uh, Consciousness is primary, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's a big debate uh, that's going on right now, the whole whole concept of consciousness. And I wrote, um, I'm working on another book about my research entirely, all of my research over the years. I'm putting it into one book. And one of the chapters deals with consciousness. And I interviewed um, Dr. Nick Herbert, who is a physicist, and he wrote The Elemental Mind. And one of the things that he says is he says that consciousness is elemental, just like electricity. You know, and, it's, and, and that's exactly it. So when we, when we die, we reconnect with that consciousness. It's like... Um, it's not with. It's not in us. It's out there. We. It's primary. The body is just the. The brain is just the receiver of that consciousness. It's hard for, yes. for most people to understand, but it's uh, it's true. And the more and more science studies this, they realize the reality of it. The idea is always worth considering because it has to do with what happens to us when we die. Could exactly. be nothing. Could be something. I don't know. I hope there's more to it than the family being stuck with a bill to cremate <laughs> you, put you in the ground in a mausoleum, launch you into space, whatever they're going to do, depending on your preference. Uh, we are okay. talking with the wonderful... Uh, we got to take a break here, my friend. So hold that thought. Josie okay. Varga is our honored guest of the hour. She's got a book somewhere in the pipeline. It'll be coming out one of these days and we'll have her back probably before that even, but definitely to discuss that book. In the meantime, if you own no books of hers, why don't you get these companion volumes? Visits from Heaven and the other is Visits to Heaven. That says so much about the state of her research and the comprehensive nature of it. Also, her passion for afterlife communication and all the possibilities of what it might be, what it might mean to be eternal beings. That we're not simply these houses of flesh with a lot of chemical and electrical activity going on. There might be a bit more, maybe a lot more. And we have a lot more to hear from. From Josie Varga on the other side of this short break, stick with us. We are Manson Mitchell, and you are right smack dab in the center of Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is mansonmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. 145 over 92. 
180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm gonna make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor, check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, Roswell investigators, with the fruits of their latest UFO research. On Saturday, Keith Leon S. makes an encore presentation from November of 2019. It bears repeating. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Bored with the other stations? Hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. The following audio is via a Skype call. Are you, are you ripping off the Scandinavian hour? <laughs> on uh, February 17, uh, on Monday, that song had more than one billion, billion with a B uh, plays. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make it uh, a billion and one. So I, I decided to Arguably play that Arguably the greatest video of the rock video era when so many masters applied their trade in a way that was technologically feasible once we got to the 1980s. And that certainly ranks as one of the most extraordinary, if not the best ever. I love that video, and I was happy to see it again this morning. That blending of animation and live action was terrific. And so uh, thank you, AHA. AHA. And thank you, Josie Varga, for being with us this hour. Josie, if people would like to get your books, and I know you have more than the two that Gary just mentioned and another one on the way, uh, what is your website and where can they get your books and tell us anything that you would like to about people connecting with you? Uh, well, you can go to my website at www.josievarga.com and there is a link there. Uh, yes, I've written, uh, I think I'm working on book number seven now, but actually I, I just finished my debut uh, fiction. It's a, it's a young adult fiction novel and not surprisingly, it deals with the afterlife. I won't give it away, but it's a mixture. It's a, kind of like a love story, and it deals with the afterlife. And um, my daughters are both editing the book for me right now, and boy, they are tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so we'll see what what happens with that. And I'm I'm also working on another book, like I said before, which combines all of my research into one and basically presents my case uh, for an afterlife. So I'm really excited about that as well. So people can uh, go onto my website, and I also have a few groups uh, on Facebook 
One is called Visits from Heaven. I have both a, an open group and a closed group and a, another group called Proof of the Afterlife. So people can reach out to me there as well. I want to go ahead and spell your name for your website. It's J-O-S-I-E-V as in Victor, A-R-G-A, Josie Barga. So there you have it. Good place to find her. Josie, let's get into some stories. People write to you, and you've got a Facebook presence as well. And I will see these posts, and I'm intrigued by them every time. People are reaching out to you with their stories and wondering if it's possible to validate them, or are they just making it up? Uh, Well, that's part of the reason that I started the group. I started Visits from Heaven because I wanted people to have a place, to have a forum where they could go and share their experiences and understand that they are not alone. So ever since I started the group, uh, you know, thousands of people have shared their experiences on the the letters, the emails, the private messages that I have received from people are just, you know, overwhelmingly heartwarming. Um, like I said before, I feel absolutely blessed to do what I do, you know, and, and there are times when I, I you know, like I, I doubt myself and I say, well, am I doing enough? And uh, I had a message from a woman who gave my book to her mother. And the, the mother was on her deathbed. And she told me, she said, Josie, because of you, my mother died in peace. And I'll tell you what, I cried for days after. <laughs> I cried for days because to me, that is what it's all about. And that is why I do what I do. Uh, I want people to understand that they will see their loved ones again. There is nothing, absolutely nothing longer than love. Uh, recently, I wrote a blog. Um, I don't know if you heard that song by the judge, but it's called Love Can Build a Bridge. Okay? And one of the things that I say is love can not only build a bridge, love is the bridge. And that bridge between the here and the hereafter can never, ever be taken down because that love between two people is always there. Love is the connection between us here and between those in heaven. You know, um, one of the reasons that, you know, we do the show that we that we do and we like to have you on as a guest, Josie, is that as a culture in the United States, we are very death averse because we don't want to look at it. We don't want to make out our wills. We don't want to think about our dying. And yet there isn't anyone who stays in the physical beyond a certain age. It's only in the fantasy land that you have a five or six hundred year old person who's still living. But right. in our in our day and time, you know, you're pretty much looking at sometime before a hundred for most people. And so we don't want to think about it. We don't want to look at it. And one of the reasons that we do this topic is that you can change your perspective. And I know that in time, my own perspective has changed. On Monday, two people I was very, very close to both passed away. Oh, my God, I'm and, sorry. 
they were close to me in the 1960s. It, it didn't carry over into the current time. It was, you know, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And um, with both of them, you know, the, it was their time to go. And in in one case, there was, you know, some medical issues, some health issues. And in the other case, it was uh, rather sudden, although he was um, quite elderly. It, w- it was unexpected because his health was good. And and I'm saying to myself, they're made their transition. They're going back home again, and they're going to see their loved ones. And they're, they've made a transition. The grieving goes on on this side because we miss people. Mm-hmm. But we don't think, well, we're going to see them again or we're going to be with them again. And yet that's a very distinct possibility if life is eternal. It's one thing to say life is eternal. It's another thing to really believe it because I have heard people talk about the life eternal, but then they feel like, well, when they die, everything is just going to go black and that's it and they'll be gone. And I go, no, no, no. That, that's not how it works. No, but, and I, I feel sorry for people who think that, really. Yes, I, I yes. honestly, I don't get it. I mean, I have a friend who told me one time that she prefers to think when we die, that's it. And I don't understand that. How can that be? I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know what? Like I said, I always believe in the afterlife. And... But now, I don't believe in the afterlife. I know there is an afterlife. You know, that's what I was saying before. For those of us that have had these spiritual experiences, there is no doubt, you know? Right. When you're, right. When you're in that moment, you, I, I don't even know. I, I can't even put it into words, you know? Yes, I write these books, you know? I write these books, and I try to get people to understand, and hopefully I'm getting somewhere. Hopefully I'm helping people out there. But in reality, I can't put what happened to me in words. But I do know one thing. I do know that there is no death. And I do know that I am not afraid to die. People ask me all the time, so because of your experience, are you afraid to die? No, I'm not afraid to die at all, because I'm not going to die. I'm only going to transition. But I tell you what I am afraid of. I am afraid of how I'm going to die. <laughs> yes. Yes. Isn't you know? that interesting? Yeah. Because yeah, we I'm, don't I'm know. I'm afraid of yeah. how I'm going to die. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, I have no intention, just because I know that life doesn't end, I don't want to go anytime soon. You know, I, I love my life. I love my yes. kids. And I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But right. when that time comes, and when I do need to make that transition, I know that I will be in a better place because I believe, because I know that there's something beyond this earth. Does that make sense? Well, and, and the, the reason that we say better place is that it's, it's more expanded than what we have here. We are limited right. in this three-dimensional reality, and because of the nature of coming here, visiting here, as it were, from home base— we take on these physical bodies that do eventually break down. And so, you know, when, when the body is aging and it's, it's, it's getting to the end and it's worn out, it's like you have to 
like, you know, getting rid of the clothes that have the stains, the spots, the holes, the rips, the tears, <laughs> you know, at some point the body does the same thing. And you have to say, I'm going to, I'll do this again, but I'm going to need a, a new or better suit of clothes to come back because this body's worn out. Uh, well, I, ha- I hope that, uh, I will be happy to have another body because, you know, I was born with cerebral palsy and uh, I've had so many issues and, you know, I deal with pain every single day of my life. Uh, But it's okay because I know that there's a a purpose to why I am the way I am. And I, I also, you know, you guys know that my first book was called Footprints in the Sand and Footprints in the Sand it's basically a story about my life and how I got from, you know, walking in a wheelchair and, I mean, being in a wheelchair and walking with leg braces to to where I am right now. And uh, I always say that had I not gone through all the things that I've gone through, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So I try not, it, it's hard, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, it's hard going through a lot of the things that I've been through. But I also understand that there's a purpose behind it. And uh, I basically, I every night when I go to sleep, I always say, Lord, may thy will be done. So whatever I'm supposed to be doing, then, you know, bring it on. And, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I do yeah. feel that I am in the right place. I do feel that I am doing what I'm meant to be doing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I always say, every time I do a show, a radio show, or anything, if I can help just one person, then I have done my job. Because because to me, it's all about helping others and about making a difference. So if I can do that, then I'm happy. Well, and you do, Josie. You do with the research that you do, the books that you write, the interviews that you do to let people know that, you know, the end is just the beginning of the next chapter the, or the beginning of the next book. Right. And so, yeah, we, we, we close one book and then we transition and open another one. And I, and I think that that's an important communication that we have with people because, you know, death is one of those topics people really don't like to talk about or think about or prepare for. And in, in doing that, you're just unprepared. That's all. Yeah, Josie, that's I want to jump in here there because yeah. we, we got about eight minutes. Okay. And you, you came on by prearrangement with the idea that we were going to talk about the late, great, a wonderful oh, friend yes. to you, to Suzanne, to myself, and countless others, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It mm-hmm. seems that she's been trying to get in touch with you and maybe succeeding. What's happening there? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that story. Uh, as you know, Rosemary passed away in July, um, in August. I had to have an MRI because uh, I injured my shoulder. So I go for this MRI, and normally I'm very claustrophobic. I don't like being, you know, in these MRI machines. But on this particular day, it was a Friday, August 30th, to be exact. I go to the um, the hospital. They put me in the MRI machine. At that time, there's there's one technician there. So she puts me in the MRI machine, and I'm very calm, you know. Um, didn't think, you know, I wasn't nervous or anything. Then all of a sudden, uh, she pulled me out of the machine. She looked over at me, and she said, uh, the machine is indicating some kind of contact. She 
she said, are you wearing any metal or anything? And I'm like, no. I had on a gown and a pair of loose sweatpants. So she gave me a quick look over and then put me back in the machine. The second, So as I'm laying in the machine the second time, all of a sudden I see my friend, Rosemary Arangali, in my mind's eye. And she looked very happy. She was smiling at me. But, you know, but I'm thinking... Uh, maybe this is just wishful thinking. Don't forget, she passed away in July. Now, this is August, and obviously I was grieving. Obviously I was missing my friend. So, but it, it seems so real that in my mind I said to her, Ro, show me what heaven is like. And when I said that, I saw a beautiful beach, beautiful sand, beautiful blue water. It, it was just a, a, a beautiful beach scene. All of a sudden, guys, I'm pulled out of the machine again. This time, there are two technicians standing there. This time, there's another technician there. Again, I'm asked, you know, hey, do you have any metal implants or anything? You know, the machine keeps indicating some, some kind of contact. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what was going on, okay? So they check me over again, both of them. They put me back in the machine again. As I'm laying in the machine this time, my mind is going, it's like racing. I'm thinking to myself, what the heck, you know? I had surgery on my Achilles tendon in 2016. So as I'm laying there, I'm thinking, what happened? Did they leave a piece of metal in me? Like, why is this going on, okay? All of a sudden, they take me out again. Like, this is unbelievable. They took me out again. Both technicians are apologizing, okay? One technician says that the, you know, the screen is showing squiggly lines, and they couldn't figure out what the heck was going on, all right? Then all of a sudden, one technician says to me, I don't know what's going on here, but I saw a dark shadow over there. Well, when she said that, guys, I, I could have literally passed out. Because Rosemary's husband, Joe, did an interview on Coast to Coast with George Noy. And um, prior to the interview, he was nervous. And he told me that he asked his wife to please be with him, you know, when he did the interview. And he told me the whole time he was on the air, he kept seeing a dark shadow go back and forth behind him. And then as soon as the interview was over, the dark shadow went away. So when that woman said to me, I don't know what's going on here, but I keep seeing, you know, I saw a dark shadow over there. I thought to myself, oh, my God, I realized this must be, you know, this has to be Rosemary, you know? Okay. So they put me in. They, they check my body again. They make me sit up on the machine, okay, and everything. The whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I lay down. They put me in the machine again, okay? This time I see Rosemary again. This time she is laughing, literally laughing, okay? So I communicate back to her, playfully telling her, hey, Ro, knock it off. I got to get out of here. Okay. <laughs> I said, hey, Ro, knock it off. I got to get out of here. And she communicates back to me. Don't worry, Josie. Everything will, be, everything will go smoothly this time. Okay. Then 
suddenly she disappeared. I didn't see her in my mind anymore. That was the interesting part. As soon as she said it, that image of her went out of my mind. I didn't see her anymore. And this time, the machine kept going, taking images, 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 and I was not pulled out for a while, okay? And I'm laying there with a smile on my face because I realized what happened. Then they finally take me out of the machine. The woman removes the blinders that I had over my eyes. I looked over at the technician, smiling, and said, so, no problems this time, right? She looked over at me and she said, no, there were no problems this time. She says, everything went smoothly. Then all of a sudden, the other technician looks over at me and she says, um, you want to tell me what's going on here? Okay? Because they were both confused by the whole thing. So I, I told them, I said, yes, you know, I'm an author. I, I told them the whole story. I told them about Rosemary's recent passing. I told them what happened with the dark shadow. And they both were standing there with their mouths open. So I, at least we realized at that point that we were all not going crazy. But they said they'd never seen anything like it. So that was absolutely amazing. Um, it is really beyond words what happened in that room. And interestingly, you know, Rosemary would often talk about the, the very topic in her books. And one of the things that she says, she wrote a book, uh, the, the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits, okay? And in the book, uh, I, I wrote a note for myself here. In the book she wrote, if our brains are hardwired to have expanded states of consciousness, it stands to reason that we are not hardwired equally. Some people have many paranormal experiences and others only a few. Some people may be better able to tune in than others. Some may tune in better only in the right conditions, being in the right place at the right time with the right state of consciousness. I do believe that emotions play a big role, especially underlying emotions. Well, that's, that's Rosemary's words. Well, I was in the right place at the right time. Because to receive that message. And yes. you were in the right place at the right time today, too, Josie. Thank you so much for coming on. Time number 11. Wow, thank you so much for having you guys. I love you both. As we love you, and we're going to do the Italian here one of these days, <laughs> I swear. Say hello to your wonderful husband, and we'll be in touch, Josie. Can't wait for your 12th visit, and have Bye, a good weekend. Bye-bye, guys. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising with Eileen Grimes and Doug Johnston. The All-Stars are taking the field, and absolutely. join us next Friday. We'll be back 10 a.m. next Friday, always in the archives, 1150kknw.com. Check it out. Stay tuned whenever you can. Have a great week ahead, everyone. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.